Welcome to 108 Mindfully Made, the podcast. My name is Samantha. I'm an evidential spirit medium, mindfulness enthusiast, and registered nurse. If you're looking for a place to explore spirituality from a grounded and rooted perspective, this podcast is for you. So grab a cup of tea, your meditation cushion, sit back, relax, because it's about to get real. No bullshit here. And let's get started. So this episode today is definitely going to be one that I feel is long overdue and much needed. We're going to be talking today about psychic scammers. And you guys know that psychic consent and ethics is a hill that I am proud to die on. So I'm actually going to have a guest on my show today who's going to share her story with us um, about how she herself was the victim of a psychic scammer. Um, when she was younger. And I think that this is an important conversation to be had because there's a lot of shame and stigma around this. And I think it is important that we talk about this so that people can recognize the red flags as they come up and can act accordingly and protect themselves because for in any field, you're going to have fraudsters and charlatans. And unfortunately, they can do a lot of damage in a very short period of time. And I think the more we can educate people, the more we can teach people about what to look for, about what to expect, what is, what what is ethical and was not ethical uh, with regards to spiritual work. I think that we can raise the bar, raise the standards on how practitioners operate because it's an unregulated field and You know, in any other field, if you have a fraudster or a charlatan, they can have their privileges removed. But in a field like this, it's not so easy. So I think that by bringing awareness to some of the more common scams that are out there, to ways you can spot an unethical practitioner, and how do you know when you're working with a good practitioner, uh, I think is just a conversation that needs to be had and is warranted. And, you know, it's one I'm quite passionate about. Now, I myself have had an instance with a psychic scammer when I was young um, and in a very vulnerable spot. And I will share my story as well um, in this podcast, but it's not nearly as detrimental as what she endured, but I can definitely say there was emotional harm that was done. And I think it is important for anyone who is practicing, whether you're a psychic, a medium, an intuitive, if you are in a position where you are working with the public, you've got to recognize the responsibility that you hold and to uphold the highest standards of connection to your work. Because people give the words that we say a lot of weight. So it's really important that we are upfront and honest with our clients, but also be very mindful of how we act as practitioners as well and recognize that people come to us in vulnerable times and vulnerable situations, and we never want to take advantage of that, and we never want to um, do more harm. We want to provide healing, not harm. So yeah, with that, we'll go ahead and get right to the interview. So today I have a really, really amazing guest with me. Her name is Catherine, and I'm really excited to have her today because she's being very vulnerable and open in sharing her story 
um, with me about how she has been played and how psychic scammers have impacted her life at one point. And I'm really grateful to have her here today. So Catherine, thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you, Samantha. Thank you for having me. And, um, I'm really excited to have this space to, um, discuss these things because this is something I've discussed with close friends. Um, and I've never really, I have seen it discussed on a public platform, but not like this, not in a way that is so intimate. Um, I've seen it on like 2020 and kind of things like that, but, um, I'm really happy to have this space. So thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I really feel like these conversations need to be had just to educate people. So to know what to look for so that they don't get taken advantage of Um, and just really open up the conversation because this can happen to anybody. This can happen to anyone. Um, And it's not, it's not always as straightforward as just someone cold, cold messaging you in your DMS as we'll hear about kind of in your story. But um, can you tell everyone a little bit about your background and, you know, a little bit about yourself? Sure. Absolutely. So, um, I grew up in kind of a small to mid-sized town in Southern California. Um, I was always interested in metaphysics, um, and the psych community. Um, however, we didn't have a lot of outlets for that in my town. So even though I was always interested, I always kind of like dabbled on my own, learned on my own, got books when I was, you know, middle school, all that kind of stuff. I have always, um, like I said, I've always been interested. Um, I ended up going to college. Um, I got my bachelor's in social work and public health. Um, and then I worked for the department of defense for a few years. Uh, now currently I work at a local hospital Um, I've been there for a few years and, um, and I really like it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you really developed your own intuitive abilities over the years. It sounds like you've always had an interest in this and it's just very interesting. Cause I know when we talked before your story really starts with, you know, it was a, quite a while ago when you were still in college and, yeah. and that definitely, I think, um, kind of speaks to the fact that, that, that may looking back, do you feel like that has been sort of a catalyst in helping you to develop your own intuitive abilities and just become more confident in that way? Absolutely. Um, I actually, I took a healing touch class this, um, this weekend, this past weekend at the hospital. And, um, I shared a little bit of my story with, um, with my partner there because I felt comfortable. I felt safe. I felt like it was facilitated in a way that I could. Um, I didn't go into crazy into deep detail or anything, but, um, I think what this whole experience and we'll, I know we'll go through it, but I think at the end of the day, what it taught me was to trust my own intuition and to recognize that I don't need to, I don't need to have an outside source and an outside force validate that for me. If I feel like something is right, if I feel like something's on track for me to trust my own intuition, I don't need constant spiritual and psychic reassurance, which I think is what a lot of these, I call them candle burners. I think that's what a lot of these candle burners really, um, you know, really feed on is like they do, they figure out the people that need the psychic, the spiritual, the emotional reassurance 
and then they give it to them at a price. And I think that what at the end of the day, this taught me is that nobody, no one can usurp your relationship with your own higher being at the end of the day, nobody can interject that, um, your own personal source and your own personal spiritual intuition. And, um, for me specifically, I think that was something I, I always carried within me, but it's something that I didn't recognize until, um, until I, until I saw this type of barrier that stood between me feeling that connection. I felt it before I felt it after, but, um, you know, what happened to me really took me away from that needing that constant reassurance from somebody. Um, it's very, it's very damaging. It was a very, um, malignant and codependent relationship. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that you, if anyone's followed me for any amount of time, you know, that I, I tend to, uh, always kind of point out that those are the sort of the readers or the practitioners that you want to stay away from are the ones that are using fear-based narratives to basically gain codependence and dependency on, on them for you to keep coming back. They tell you something scary. So you keep coming back for reassurance that you're avoiding this terrible thing that they're saying is going to happen to you. And I think it's so predatory. So, um, so can you, do you feel comfortable kind of sharing sort of like maybe a little bit of what happened and and what your experience was with this? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. So, um, what happened to me is that, um, I grew up, like I said, in a, um, you know, I don't know, a medium to small size town. Um, I personally always felt a connection with with spirit, I always felt a connection with my spirituality. Um, and you know, when I was, um, in middle school and high school, I, I dabbled in that. I looked into different thought forms. I, I looked into different types of religions. I, you know, I had a Ouija board. I just, I was interested in those types of things. Um, and I was very open. Um, and because I'd had, had, had my own intuitive experiences also, um, I, who am I to, to doubt somebody else's intuitive experiences or, or any experience. Right. So, um, what happened to me was I was about 20 years old and I was working at our local mall and, um, I had a woman come in and she was probably three or four years older than me. I mean, she couldn't have been older than 25 and, um, she came up to me, I was working at a jewelry store and, um, I spent a little bit of time with her and, um, you know, I talked to her, we were, but whatever. And, um, she said, are you open to a reading? And I was, so I said, yeah, I'm going on my break in 30 minutes. Or and, um, I met her and I sat down with her and she kind of went into this narrative of, you know, I'm getting these intuitive feelings and blah, blah, blah. And they're very serious. And I want to talk to you about them, but it's going to be $40. And so I said, okay, I mean, people deserve to get paid for the work that they do. So she and I walked over to the ATM and I pulled out $40 right there in front of her and I gave it to her. And we sat down at the table and chairs outside of Subway in my little tiny mall. And, um, she continued to tell me a story about how, um, you know, I, was having problems in my home life and, 
um, she could pick up on that negativity and that my boyfriend was having problems with his car and how if he wasn't having problems with his car, then he will be having problems with his car, right? Like kind of specific enough, but vague enough. Um, and then she proceeded to tell me, which I've learned later is kind of like the baseline narrative that, um, there is a female that I used to be close with who's moved away, who's very jealous of me and who's been dabbling in black magic, something to that effect. And who is bringing together their energy to basically kind of to curse me. Um, and she has other friends that they're all working together and they're chanting and she had she is in the, um, you know, the candle burner. Um, her name was ginger. I'm going to say it because you know, <laughs> it probably wasn't a real name anyway, but, uh, so ginger is like, well, you know, they're gaining up strength together and, um, they're gaining up this ball of like negative energy and they're going to throw it at your boyfriend or your dad on the next full moon. And I can't tell you what's going to happen, but I get the sense your father's going to have a heart attack or your boyfriend's going to get in a car crash. And I know that in hindsight, it sounds really stupid, but I do believe in my heart that she probably was gifted in some way. Um, and I, and, you know, I think that it is very scammy, but I do think that, um, or I would like to think that she was gifted in some way that I wasn't that naive. Right. But it was enough of a blend of truth and lies to kind of get yeah. me hooked. And I, I think that's kind of, that's what the hook is, you know? And I know this is like a random example. And I think I maybe shared it with you before, but in the movie and the book, the exorcist by William Peter Blatty, um, the older priest, uh, father Marin tells father Karis, who's the younger priest, he's interacting with, uh, Reagan McNeil, who's possessed and he's trying to get information out of it. And the older priest, Father Marin says, stop talking to it. It uses lies and truth in order to deceive you. Stop. Like it's, you know, a half truth is easy to believe. Right. So anyway, she told me that, um, that she, she told me that information and she was like, you know, you also, seem really cool. Do you want to hang out sometime? And, and, you know, I think like, this is kind of a side note, but I think like it didn't quite sit with me well, but being like a nice girl, I was like, sure, you know, okay. And I gave her my phone number and, um, she called me later that night and she's like, I just have to tell you that I'm getting all these other intuitive things. And they know that, um, I read for you and they're speeding up the process and, um, and, in order to get out of this, you're going to have to buy this $800 candle. And me and my aunt are going to burn it on the next full moon, or we, we have to burn it on a Sunday and we need your participation. And I it was like, um, well, shit, like, okay. You know, I, let me rewind too. Cause I get how crazy this sounds. Okay. So <laughs> when I said, um, me and my friend, um, or when I said, I kind of dabbled in, um, you know, metaphysics and occult and things like that. I think that's kind of something a lot of people do, you know, that's what the movie, the craft is about, you know, it was kind of almost one of those situations. So, uh, I had a girlfriend and she and I would, um, 
would do those kind of things like when we were in middle school and high school and um she ended up moving away and um she was very angry when she moved away she had a very angry home life she moved to a bigger city and she kind of fell in line with people who were i didn't know them personally but at the time it was MySpace, like posting on MySpace about like spell work and, you know, very, very negative, like really dark stuff. So it kind of eked me out and I knew how much hatred she had for me. So when somebody approached me and said there was a dark haired woman dabbling in black magic, ready to throw energy at me, it didn't seem that far-fetched. And I think like, um, the way that it was presented to me in the, in the initial meet meetup was just like, Hey, there's some negativity around you. And then it was slowly built upon, which was really, um, kind of how she got me. So, um, so anyway, I ended up, uh, scrounging up $800, which was crazy because I worked for, you know, this was in 2003, something like that when minimum wage was like $7. And, um, I ended up getting all that, that money and, um, giving it to her. And then she supposedly got some candles. Gosh, in hindsight, it sounds so dumb, but, but I lived it, you know, she got some candles with her aunt and, um, I set up my own little tea lights in my bedroom at home when I knew my parents wouldn't, you know, be suspicious of me being in my room. It was like 10 o'clock at night. And, um, she called me and I put her on speakerphone and we did like a ritual where I like laid there with a tea light, like, you know, at each point. And, um, she, she and another woman's voice were like praying. It sounded like, but it was in a language that I didn't understand. And she had me do some little ritual, like, you know, blow out the candle from the top to the bottom. I don't remember exactly, but I do remember while that was happening, um, I was just so overwhelmed with like fear and anxiety. And I think that, um, she really picked up on this place in my life where I was so uncertain and uncomfortable. And, um, I felt that. And I remember, uh, laying there during this like ritual and, um, just praying. And I, I prayed that, um, you know, my angels watch over me and, and be with me. And I remember feeling this, um, warm, you know, angelic presence around me. And, and when it was all over, I felt so relieved. And in hindsight, it was my connection poking through and being like, stop enough, you know, protecting yeah. me from that not, uh, the other way around. So I thought that was all over and done with, um, you know, here's 800 bucks, like, Okay. And then, um, I shortly moved away to college afterwards. And, um, while I was there, uh, everything was fine. I moved into my apartment and, uh, the boyfriend that I had at the time, um, he was going to a UC school down where we lived close to there. And he transferred to UC Santa Cruz or, you know, he transferred North and, um, and everything was fine. And then, um, one night she called me and she was like, Oh my God, uh, that woman realized what you did, you counteracted her spell. And now she's coming back with a vengeance, you know, yada, yada. And, and I, I feel so, I, I feel weird even saying it out loud, but it's important to say out loud because 
it happens. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll buy another $800 candle. Well, no, this time we need a mega candle and that candle is $1,500 and we need two of them. What the hell? And it, it needs to be in cash and it needs to be delivered by your hands. It was, it was harassment. Like she kept calling me like, you know, your boyfriend is going to die. Your father is going to die. It was harassment. It was just like, I'm really concerned. And then it was kind of like, it turned into that pleading of being like, please, I'm trying to help you. Like, you know, I'm worried about you. I'm worried about your father, this, this, and that. And so I got on a plane with with $3,000 cash, flew down to my hometown. Um, my best friend um, picked me up and, you know, I, I really, I think I really actually learned this from my best friend. Um, she was like, you're being scammed. You're being scammed. And I wouldn't hear it. And she drove me to this person's house and we exchanged money. And then we did like a prayer and then suddenly it was all fine. And then, you know, I flew back home and, um, and, and then you know, everything was fine, but this time I felt really horrible. I felt really horrible. I didn't feel relieved. I felt horrible. Like I, I felt like it was like, um, you know, it was a financial and psychic assault. And, um, when I got back home, things were like quiet for a few days. And then she started calling me again. And I was like, look, whatever happens, happens. Right. If my dad's going to die or my boyfriend's going to crash, like, I can't help that. Leave me alone. And, um, and then I ended up getting my phone number changed and I, um, was able to kind of escape it, but those are really extreme measures. And I think what it's so heartbreaking because I didn't, I knew it was like, I I've never had the situation, but I imagine that it was kind of like what the, like what a self violation Yeah. Violated. Absolutely violated. And, you know, in hindsight, I was violated by a person, but I think what was harder was I, I was violated by myself. I didn't trust my own intuition. I didn't trust. And, and, you know, not only that, but on top of that, I mean, it's $3,000 doesn't sound like that much money, but it took me 10 years to pay it off because I was making minimum wage, you know, and when I graduated college, um, I couldn't find a job right away. So I was, you know, waitressing at night. I was serving at night, working during the day. It took me 10 years. And it was kind of like, um, it was like my scarlet letter. I'm naive and this, this, and that. And, you know, um, and honestly, I got out of it light in a way. I know two girlfriends, um, personally who've also been scammed. One of them got scammed out of $12,000. Um, the other one got scammed out of $6,000, same thing, like almost the exact same story verbatim. And, you know, I think about it and it's like the situations that I was put in, it it sounds like it might be dramatic, but, um, you know, I knew some girl named ginger for five minutes. She asked me to show up at her house. Um, these people were shady AF. Like I got out of it okay. You know, I got out of it with, um, my safety, but, but really, um, you know, it's, it's not just financial exploitation. It's, it's psychic and spiritual exploitation. It's, um, it's criminal, it's criminal activity and who knows where that leads, you know? 
Yeah. And it's kind of like you said at the beginning, if you look at your story, they really did kind of give you that, that low investment hook. And then once they know you're in, it's, it's sort of like they've got their hooks in now energetically. Yeah. And the naivete in me, I walked over to the ATM. I gave her money, you know, it kind of said two things. One of them was, um, uh, I'm easy. Like my pockets are loose. Right. And the other one was like, I'm naive enough to not ask questions. I don't, I don't second guess. I was preyed upon because I genuinely think that, uh, at the time I felt like I don't treat people bad or I don't treat people like that. So I trusted that other people don't treat people like that. And the truth is, is they do, or I should say people are opportunistic in different ways, you know, in different ways, in different situations. And, um, this was how it happened to me. Yeah. And I think that that, if you look at the time frame in your life too, I think that when we are young, we do have this sort of naive sort of view of the world where we do think that, um, you know, we want to think the best of people depending on our experiences and where we've been. And if we haven't been had, or we haven't been in a situation like that, and you know, we tend to think that most people are good and inherently. And so when we get taken like that, it's really, really it sits with you for a while, you know, it's not something that goes away overnight and it's insidious that the way it feels, the shame, the sort of just like, gosh, how could I have fallen for that? And I think that looking at the period in your life, when that happened, you know, having grace for yourself for going through something like that and not beating yourself up by saying, gosh, how could I have been so stupid rather than you know, it's actually like, no, no, no. Like you were a victim here. And like, there's absolutely no shame in that. And I think that that's sort of whenever we're assaulted in any way, whether it be physical, emotional, spiritual, I think that oftentimes we do tend to look towards ourselves and go, well, what did I do to deserve this? Like I obviously put myself in this position and that's not the case at all. You know, Mm -hmm. we have to let go of that and, and know that like, there is literally no good reason for something like this to happen to, to someone who is good to anyone period. So, you know, I, it's, it's insidious the way that they came upon you. And I think that that's really talking about, if you look at the tactics they used to sort of prey on you, they use, they hit all of the pain points You know, I mean, who's young and doesn't dabble in with a Ouija board or doesn't get together with their friends and start exploring witchcraft? I mean, that's probably like my favorite movie when I was, you know, in middle school. Oh, yeah. absolutely. (laughs) Who's not interested? Whose interest is not piqued? Exactly. And, you know, most of us come from a, a religious background where our subconscious and unconscious belief systems are very much rooted in Christian theology. So when someone comes to you and tells you that someone is doing something satanic or they're using that type of language that is automatically picking on your fear pain points, that is going to unleash something inside that is going to trigger you to, to listen. And it's going to trigger you to, to act, to want to act, even if maybe you even have sort of deconstructed away from that type of thinking. It's still it still sits, you know, it still sits, especially at that age. So I I think that those are the things that people need to look out for is when, when you have a practitioner who's using those pain points as a means to, you know, evoke an emotional response from you, 
that is the biggest red flag that that's out there. But when you're in it, you know, you can't see the forest for the trees, you know, it's hard to see that. Um, and it was candle magic, but it didn't start with the candles. You know, you look at the way they built it up. It's, it's the, Oh, I'm going to give you a little reading. And like you said, they give you just enough of that's, and you're absolutely right in that there are, that's how a lot of these people work. They do have abilities. They do. Cause we all do. And, but they've trained They're They're very good at cold reading and they're very good at these things and can hook line and sinker someone. Um, yeah. And it's very I, easily. I think this is something like, since I have started talking about it more the past few years, I tell everybody beware of a deceptively low price. People are making their rent somehow. Right. Yeah. And and these, these, you know, I don't know if it's slang or not, but I call them candle burners. These, these candle burners who, you know, are on a downtown strip or, or wherever the hell they might be, they're making their rent somehow. And it is not with doing $10 palm readings. And so it's, it's just kind of like, um, you know, hindsight is 2020. I take that into every aspect of my life now, but I think that there is a level of healthy amount of skepticism when you, when you come across people like, and then I, I also, I've adopted this phrase too: take what you like and leave the rest behind. Okay. Like if I'm, if I'm going to be, um, engaging in, well, anything, honestly, but if I'm going to be engaging in anything that is, um, uh, metaphysical or intuitive or anything like that, it's like, you know what, it's okay for me to say, I don't agree with, with this aspect of your doctrine or what have you, or this message, but I agree with the rest, like not to, um, be a loyalist, you know, to be an Epicurean, to be like, okay, well, once this ship starts sinking, I'm going to jump and thanks for the ride. You know, (laughs) I think that's something that, um, that, um, it seems like a small thing, but I think everybody, everybody learns it in a different sphere, whether it's your interpersonal relationships or with money or whatever. And, and for me, this is the, um, this is the, uh, direction that it took, but yeah, take what you like and leave the rest behind and, you know, be a healthy skeptic. Like don't just assume that, um, everybody has your best interest in mind because a lot of people have alternative agendas and at least entertain the thought that that's a possibility. Yeah, I absolutely agree with the skepticism because as a doing this work, I have a great deal of skepticism and I encourage my clients to, too. So, you know, I think that, I think being skeptic, skeptical is really, really important and discerning. Discernment is the most important thing whenever we're dabbling within the spiritual or the metaphysical use utilizing that discernment. And like you said, take what resonates and leave what doesn't, because when you just take everything at face value and you put blind faith into something, that's when we run into problems because then we're giving our power away. You know, Mm -hmm. we stop asking questions. And when we stop sort of critically thinking through things, um, we give our power away and we think, Oh, well, that would never happen to me. But the truth is that, it can happen so insidiously that you don't even realize that you're, you're giving the power away. And by the time that it's made clear to you, like, Oh shit, you're in deep. Like you said, like you were sitting there with your best friend and she's telling you 
this isn't legit. You're getting scammed and you didn't want to see it. We don't want to see it. We don't want to see. We don't want to see that we've been deceived. We don't want to admit that to ourselves because there's a level of just the the inner shame that we have that we hold. Um, You know, I think that we just, I think as humans, we, we don't want to, we don't want to admit to ourselves that, oh, you know what? I, I really was deceived. And in the moment, especially that's oh, abs- a really hard place to be. Absolutely. And you know what? Um, like I said, hindsight is twenty twenty, and not everybody has the same vantage point. She saw what was happening because so hi, Megan. Like if she sees this, you know, <laughs> she's my best friend, but, um, her connection with her spirituality was so, or was different. It was different and it was a lot stronger. And she's like, nobody can um, say these things. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is up for, for you and your God. And this is a conversation between you and your, you know, you and, and God. And I was like, well, but this lady's telling me this, you know? And it's like, she was just in a different space in a different place. And it's like, it took me a while to get there, you know? So after all this happened, it, it caused an onslaught of anxiety and not trusting myself and this, this, and that. And, um, but a few years later I was having panic attacks and things like that. And I found a therapist, um, up where I lived and I didn't know at the time, but she specialized in deprogramming cult survivors. And she herself, um, was part of that cult that's on wild, wild country on Netflix. And I remember her story and it brought me so much solace because she's like, you know what, this happens to the best of us. And she said something interesting. She said, I don't remember the way she put it exactly, but like the more, not the more intelligent you are, but the more that you're seeking, the more you're open and the more you're being taken advantage of or the more there's potential to take advantage. I remember her saying to me, she said, when that cult situation happened to her. So I, at the time I lived in Monterey and, um, big Sur is there and Santa Cruz and Esalon. And it's a very openly metaphysical community, especially, you know, back in the day, even more so. And, um, the same thing happened. She's like, you know, I went to this, uh, this talk and this meditation at, at this retreat center. And it really resonated with me. And, and she's a, she's a psychologist. Her husband was a psychiatrist. And so then they started going regularly and then it's the long con, like over time it was, well, okay, now we're going every day. Well, now, you know, now we're giving a portion of our income now, you know, whatever the situation may be where, she said it escalated into her giving custody of her children to a friend and being like, I'm going to go to Oregon and live in this commune and it's going to be amazing. And this is not. And then she legally changed her name to a different name. And, um, she said that one day she was there and she was, you know, her name was different. Her hair was different. Um, she was wearing, a uniform basically. And she was shooting off rifles, like in the middle of this makeshift battleground. And she said, she just woke up and was like, what the hell am I doing? And she said for her, it was that sudden, but she was so afraid because if you, 
if you said that to somebody, you were a defector and there were consequences to it. Um, and she ended up telling her husband who also had been woken up, but who was like going through the motions because he was scared and they planned an escape together and they ended up escaping. And she said she came back to her community and, um, it was horrible. She said, I came back. My name was different. I looked different. Anybody credible in her community that any of her peers were, they, they thought she was completely nutso, her and her husband, her children didn't talk to her. I mean, they totally isolated her. And she said it took her decades to build back up her credibility enough, which is why she specializes in the cult, um, um, like deprogramming. And, um, I remember her saying this to me, uh, she said she, she woke up in that instant and she looked around her and there were people she considered to be very educated, very sophisticated people. She said, I was surrounded by doctors, lawyers, parents, professors, teachers, spiritual, um, you know, spiritual leaders in their community. And she said, she woke up and she looked around and she's like, this can happen to anybody. It's not, it's not just me, you know? And it's not just when I say my story, it sounds so crazy. Like this girl came into Zales and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it can happen to anybody, you know? And, um, it's the long con it's long, it's patient, it's subtle. Um, if, if this woman was to approach me and ask me for $3,000 or my boyfriend would crash his car, I would have thought she was crazy, but it didn't happen like that. It happened over a series of months in a very subtle way. Um, that's the heavy hitter in this situation is that these cults and curses and these scammers, they're subtle and we're not always vigilant and being always vigilant can be very exhausting when you do want to learn about things like that, you know, or you want to have these experiences. So, so it was, um, it was opening, and it was really helpful to me that, um, at the time my therapist was like, I did it too, you know, and it's, it, she's somebody I, I greatly respect. And, um, it's, you know, it's true, unfortunately. You're right. It is. Ex- it's exhausting to be hypervigilant. It is so exhausting to be hypervigilant, especially like you said, when you're on that journey and you want to learn and you're trying to be open-minded and you're trying to allow yourself to expand. And I think that that says a lot about not just like psychic scammers, but like you said, just cult getting people, how people get involved with cults. Um, to begin with and how it is very easy to fall into that. And you see a lot of that within the new age too. So I think that constantly checking in with yourself and constantly sort of looking back and, and regrounding and reorienting is so important when you're on your spiritual path, because it's really easy to get caught up in the magical thinking. And it's really easy to get caught up in sort of the delusion of what's happening. Um, And I think that having those checks and balances, whether it be family or friends that can kind of pull you back or check in with you to like call you out and let you know, like, Hey, this is, this, this seems a little off. 
Um, so I think mm-hmm. that this is also a call to action to anyone out there who sees, you know, if you do feel like, you know, you're seeing people who are kind of slipping into that, that mindset or that way of thinking, or maybe getting involved in groups like that to, to, to be gentle with them, you know, to, to give them that gentle nudge, but also understand that sometimes people have to come to it on their own terms and wake up on their own. And that's the most important thing I think is, you know, sometimes sitting back and watching that is really, really difficult. So as we've seen with things like QAnon and all of that play out over the course of the pandemic specifically, but yeah, it's just, oh my gosh, it's, 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 you know, the the long con, that's really what it is. It's, and I love how you said, watch out for those small, lower investment, you know, prizes that, that, (laughs) there's something to be said for that because, um, I think that any real, I mean, I truly feel like, you know, you get what you, most of the time you're going to get what you pay for in terms of, um, when it comes to working with ethical grounded practitioners, there's probably going to be a wait list. They're probably not going to be that easy to get in with. Um, you know, you know, it's just, there may be a little bit higher price point or investment involved, but they should be upfront with you straight up. They should never be the one approaching you. That's always like the big thing, right? Yeah. If you're being approached, if they found you, that's the first red flag. Um, Cause that to me screams, they have a predatory eye. Um, and so that, that right there is your, is I think the first red flag knowing that now. Um, and then of course, like you said, they get you with that, that low in that, that low investment, but usually it's the fact that they approached you <laughs> more than anything. Um, and then also looking at, you know, disclaimers, like, I mean, I, it sounds to me like she was just sort of like, she didn't have any real established business. It's literally, she's working for cash. And so those sorts of things are always, anyone who's coming up to you and asking for money right away, I think is like another big, big red flag as well. Um, so now as far as, you know, where you're at and everything, when you do choose to work with practitioners, what are some of the things that you've taken with you as far as like vetting people or, um, deciding, you know, what are your green flags? I guess we talk a lot about the red flags, but what are kind of your green I'm not sure exactly what I look for in a person, but I know what I recognize within myself. So I have certain beliefs which are flexible, but I've been researching this enough and doing this enough where I can immediately sense if this person is not going to resonate with me most of the time. Um, I, you know, 99% of the time I can, um, I think I manage my expectations. Um, so for example, um, to, I take what I like and I leave the rest behind. If somebody's claiming to be a medium and this, this, and that, I'm like, you know, I don't remember which state it is, Missouri. I'm like the show me state, right? Like I like show me. Okay. You know, and it, that's no, you know, no shame to your game. Like I know when somebody's scamming me for sure, but it's like, some things don't resonate with me and some things do, but, um, I, I've just, uh, I've really, I've really, really developed that healthy amount of skepticism. And I'm also, this is, you're making me reflect on this, which is good. I personally am wary if somebody has very, um, heavy language and a lot of social media. And Mm. I, I can't really tell you 
why it just throws me off. I don't like it. Like, um, you know, if I'm, if I kind of see somebody and I'm like, I'm kind of like new to social media too. I just got Instagram during the pandemic, but if I, if I decide I'm going to follow somebody and then I start noticing that they're posting a lot of stuff about, about whatever, you know, like, honestly, whatever, like witches or aliens or, um, healing ancestors or it, to me, it's more of a marketing ploy than it is like a thoughtful and reflective, um, you know, connection post that to me is a big red flag. Um, because it's like, I know, I know what it is to run a business. Like this is marketing. It's not connection, I guess. And it's like, you know, I think if we all, or I don't know, I don't know, because I, you know, I was scammed. So this is stuff learned the hard way, but it's like, I just see it now a lot better. It's way more obvious to me. Um, I think that there's, it's not always about money, but I think that there's a lot of opportunity to make money uh, doing these kind of things. And um, because it's something that is intangible, um, I need a little bit more um, validation and verification on what, what it is that I'm participating in. And um, I went to a healing touch class at the hospital last weekend, and it was, it was nice to be around people. And I know that we've kind of talked about this before, you know, um, a lot of uh, healthcare workers who are interested in the woo-woo, but also want the, the grounded evidence-based, like, you know, show me, right. Like we're willing to, um, we're willing to put some eggs in a basket, but, but show me like, what's the evidence, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, um, and I, I feel that way now I feel like, um, and you know what, if I do go to somebody and, and they don't resonate with me, as long as I'm not being scammed, cause not everybody's going to resonate with you. Okay. It's like, I mean, you know, but it's no harm, no foul. Like, okay, thank you. But no, thanks. Like, you know, I don't feel any kind of, um, I don't feel like I have to walk in the store and buy something, you know, like, okay, we tried it out and it didn't work, whatever. Okay. You know, and, and I think the other part of that too, is that's not to say, um, sometimes people do, sometimes there's one uh, medium that I've worked with, um, that I met on Instagram, uh, which is interesting. And my brother has also worked with her and she resonates with me completely. And when I met her, she was charging, I think, you know, $45 for 20 minutes or something. And she was trying to build her business and, um, and now she's not, and it's not all about money either, but it's just like, that's a good way sometimes to meet people, but it has to be the right, um, the right environment, you know, the right atmosphere. Um, you know, like you said, I, if somebody approaches me, I'm immediately like, no, no, thank you. (laughs) You know, no, thank you. Because I don't know. I don't like that, but, um, but yeah, I think just having that, um, healthy amount of skepticism and that evidence base. And then also when you walk into situations like that, um, know how a reading goes, you know, and, and manage your expectations. You're, if you're paying for a $5 reading, you know, don't manage your expectations and, and know what a reading actually is. Um, because I, I think that's part of it also. 
um, you know, we can, we all have different abilities, but we're all just people. Nobody can replace your uh, connection, your source. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that, I think too, you're speaking to more or less like authenticity that you see people, people display. Um, yeah. People who are being very transparent and, and wanting to build a connection with people rather than, um, I mean, cause ultimately at the end of the day, we do have to eat. So it is, you know, it's like finding that healthy balance. And I struggle with that too, as like a creator and trying to have, we have be entrepreneurial and I'm terrible at it. So <laughs> like yeah. it's, ter- it's not my forte. I'm trying to build a business, but it's really hard. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to like put myself out there in terms of like building community. Cause that's really what it's about. I, I really want to at the end of the day, I don't want a repeat client is what I tell people. I don't want you to feel like you got to come back to me. I want to, mm-hmm. my goal is to empower my clients to build the connection on their own. And I just show you sort of like, I'm kind of just like, I'm here to open the door and I want you to kind of go out and take the reins yourself and go and give you, I'm going to give you some tools and I'm going to show you what's possible. And then I'm here for support as a resource. And that's, right. I think that that's, that's what they think that's always important too. And, um, and it is, it's not an easy, it's not easy to necessarily, I think, sometimes convey all of that through social media and, and all that, because it is so heavily market, market-based and it's yeah. just, so it is hard to find good people. And I always tell people too, like, just because someone has a really high follower count doesn't mean no. anything. It means no. absolutely nothing. Um, and I think that like you said, you want to look for things like disclaimers on their website. You want to look for, you know, if you, if there's no connection made or no resonance, are they willing to refund any investment that's been made thus far? You know, like these are the things that you want to look for when you're working with a practitioner. Are they offering you a guarantee? Like, Hey, if, if we get together and cause I mean, I've stopped trying to be everyone's medium because I'm not just like, I'm not mm-hmm. meant to connect with everyone. And I think that, and that's the same thing goes for, um, just in every profession, it's like, you have to jive and resonate with, with your clients. And so if someone comes to me and there's not a resonance there, like, okay, no harm, no foul, you know, here's, it's not going to work like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> and I think that that's what you want to look for in a practitioner, someone who admits that they don't have all the answers, that they don't know everything. I think that that's the other thing too. When you have people speaking in, what is that word I'm looking for? Um, absolutes. I think that that's when we run into problems. And those are the people I think that you have to sort of be really discerning with is the people who are willing to sit here and tell you, I know for a fact, and it's like, "Mm, but do you really like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) but, but, but that that's, you know, but, but I think that what the problem is, is that when we have people who are in a vulnerable situation and they're looking for answers and they're so desperate, they are willing to listen to anyone with any kind of label or title behind their name. And the truth is that this is an unregulated field. There are fraudsters and charlatans in every field, but mm-hmm. many of them are regulated. So if they do harm, they can have their licenses and privileges revoked. In this field of spiritualism and spirituality, there is no governing body. There is no regulatory board. I wish there was. Oh, but that's like, I guess the gatekeeper in me. Um, (laughs) But I just don't want to see people get hurt because I feel like I've done so much damage control as a medium, having clients come to me and tell me experiences like what you've been. It's really, um, 
it's really heart disheartening and frustrating, which is why I feel so passionately about speaking about these things because I just never want to see someone be taken advantage of, um, in this way, because it's like you said, it's psychic and spiritual assault and almost like when you think about the workings of energy, the amount of energy that they, that they were able to perhaps conjure from the anxiety and the fear that was created and instilled in you. And who's to say that, you know, they weren't using it for their gain. I mean, obviously they were to a degree and that is really just frustrating to see. Absolutely. It, to me, it's the, it's the, you know, this is like a, kind of a weird example, but it's the equivalent of, um, convincing somebody they have a disease so you can charge them for the prescription. Like, it's like, it's not right. Like now, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not, it's not right, you know, but, um, to me, like, that's like a concrete example. That's what it is, you know? Yeah. I love that you said that. Like, I think that that does happen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that happens. I mean, and it's really just horrific when it does, but it's the same exact, it's the same exact thing by pointing out pain points. You always want to pay attention. And I feel like this, I see this a lot in the coaching industry. Like people are like, find their pain points. Like, I Hit on your niche's pain points. And I'm like, no, <laughs> that grosses me out too. I'm like, that's just gross and feels really predatory to me. And I'm like, no, that's not what this is. No, but I was mainly geared toward coaches and I'm like, I'm not a coach, but, but I could see how it it just, that mentality that needs to shift and change in all industries, but it just, and I don't know, it just, it makes me, it makes me sick, but that's how marketing works, I guess. And that's the sort of the downfall of living in this sort of capitalistic web where um, it's been hard for me. I will say that just because of the fact that coming out of nursing and then trying to not being able to get really, I don't have a lot of options open to me right now because of everything I've been through. So um, I'm really been sort of not forced, but pushed to like really focus on what I've been doing. So figuring that out has been such a struggle. Um, yeah, as a, I don't know what you want to call it, an entrepreneur trying to be an entrepreneur, it's not easy at all. You're an entrepreneur, <laughs> but, but it's, you know, I, everybody's got to put, sorry, my one earring fell out. So I'm just going to take out that <laughs> Everybody has to put food on their table, you know, but mm-hmm. I, I think the, um, the energy behind it, because you're yeah. right. It, it's predatory or it's, um, or it's, or it's not really isn't that, that's kind of what it boils down to. Like, and that's what I mean by, I, I think people deserve to be paid for their service. So I was very quick and easy to pull out money from an ATM. Right. You know, I, I mean, it, it links together. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to know. It's hard to know. And I think it's hard to know, especially in this uh, field, like you were talking about, it's not like, Oh, Hey, do you know a good chiropractor no it's not like that you know like who does your hair it's um it's hard to know you know (laughs) it's all word of mouth most of the time and it's yeah yeah. and then you you worry about too um I think that like I said having the disclaimers having you know 
that, you know, look at, you know, have they been through some sort of, do they have any real training to back them up? What are their other credentials? Have they studied anything else? Are they well-read in any other subject? Like, I think that those things are always important to look at too. And I always encourage people to, to look for those things um, because you will have your, 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 I've noticed in this community, a divide, you'll have these sort of purists who feel like there is no such thing as training that's needed, personal development. That's all a sham. Like you don't need any of that, yada, yada, yada. And they're the ones who are out there inadvertently Mm -hmm. doing a lot of harm because they're still imparting their religious trauma, their religious beliefs and onto their clients. Okay. (laughs) Um, I kind of want to continue on that, uh, just as an example, and I don't know if it's a relevant example, but, um, so I recently went to a healing touch class and healing touch Two certified at a local hospital. And, um, the teacher of it was saying that, um, she sees a lot of red flags when she has people come in and they already consider themselves to be a master in another modality. And they're there and um, they're pushing like their own alternative agenda. So the example she gave was that um, this woman came in and she was already considered a master in a different modality. However, that modality was not well-regulated. She was a little too eager to be like touching the children. You know what I mean? Like giving her gift to the world. And um, the uh, teacher of the healing touch was just saying, you know, that's also a red flag is like, um, like you're saying about being approached, like, why are you so assertively or aggressively approaching people to help them grooming behaviors that, that go Mm -hmm. on in situations. And, um, I think in hindsight, you know, that kind of like slow, long con, it is grooming behavior. And it's not something that, um, I saw, I saw right away or, um, another like point that they made. And I I don't even know if this is relevant, but like excessive interest in a topic, like it's, it's one thing to be interested and it's another to study something for two weeks. And now you're a master at it and you're here to preach the word or, you know, what have you excessive interest. And, um, it, it was just kind of like, these are things like, I think we all know, but it's interesting to see it, um, through that lens, I guess, you know, um, like that type of, uh, grooming behavior that I think a lot of these, um, it's like psychic predators do it's, it's grooming. It is. That is absolutely right. Oh my gosh. I've never really thought about it in that context of it being grooming, but you're absolutely right. It, it is. And that's really, it's, it's, yeah, it's really, it's really frightening to think about, um, because that's what we see in cults. That's what Mm -hmm. we see with cult dynamics and, um, it's, and and anybody can be think about people in their lives who have been taken advantage of, you know, I think the most obvious uh, example is, uh, physically. Right. But, you know, it's the same thing. It's the long con it's the building trust. It's the lies mixed with deceit, you know, um, safety and, uh, danger, you know, it's, it's the same thing. And, um, and it can happen to anybody in any sphere, you know, it can happen to you at work. It can happen to you in your relationship. 
it can happen to anybody. I was actually just thinking about a lot about this kind of reflecting on my nursing career at the bedside and um, really thinking about the guilt and the grief I felt when I left. And it was unlike anything I've ever really experienced because I'd identified so much with my role as a nurse and I didn't realize how much I identified with it until I stepped away from it. And then I started looking at these sort of thought patterns as like, oh, am I a bad person because I want to walk away from this, 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 that I'm walking away? Am I a bad person? And all these thoughts, and it made me realize how many times in my career have I been groomed from nursing school even to it's all about the patients. It's all about the patients. It's all about the patients, patients first. And yes, it is, Mm -hmm. but also like to the detriment of your own well-being and that of itself is a form of grooming. And then you look at the way that you're ostracized sometimes by other people in the nursing community when you leave that uh, to me, I, I was like, you know, you could really apply cult dynamics to, like you said, every sphere, this can happen. It can happen. Mm-hmm. In, you know, and that, that to me is what kind of blows my mind in, in terms of understanding how the psyche works. And I think that a lot of these, these charlatans and these psychic scammers and predators that are out there, they they know that they know how fragile this, how easily manipulated people can be. And they can spot, I feel like they can, they have an eye for it. They can spot it a mile away. Oh, yeah. you know, like, like, like you said, like they approach you. And I, I mean, I had a very similar thing happen. I, <laughs> I was working at a Starbucks, a woman came into my, my coffee shop and ordered a coffee. And then she did the exact same thing. I'm feeling a lot of energy around you. Can I give you a reading? And I was, you know, 18, 19, I didn't know any better. I didn't have a real connection to spirit or anything at that point. I was not very spiritual at all. And, um, yeah. And I mean, I did the same thing you did. I, I, she gave me a reading, told me that, you know, she said, like you said, just enough to kind of like pull me in. And then, um, kind of, she played on my fears, but then in the end, she ultimately kind of like wrapped it up with a pretty little bow. So I didn't really know what to think of it. I was kind of confused. And then she said, Oh, that'll be $80. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So I did the same thing. I went next door. I got, I got $80 out of the ATM. I handed it to her and she was on her merry way. And I never saw her again, but I can tell you, I did feel very violated almost because there's something to be said for just walking up to someone and saying, I feel this around you. And I think that television has really skewed the way that we think spiritual practitioners work. Everyone thinks mediums and psychics walk around all the time and we can't turn it off and always picking up on people's loved ones. And we're just going to walk up to anybody at any given moment. And that is not how it works at all. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so people like expect it, right. Or they kind of yeah. have this expectation in their head. So I feel like psychic scammers can take advantage of that notion. So that's why I feel the need to educate. Like, no, it's not like that all the time. And it shouldn't be like that because that's how people prey on people. And for every, you know, for, for every, you know, 10 ethical practitioners you have out there, there's going to be at least one predatory person, or maybe it's the other way around. I don't know, but I feel like it's one of the reasons I feel like it's the other way around, you know, maybe that's the pessimist in me, but it's just kind of like, um, 
you know, I, I come across more that are, that I don't feel I would trust than more than that, than I do. Like, I mean, you know, I'm, I met you and I trust you, but before you, because when I, I moved down here to San Diego, um, in 2015, I think 2014. And it was like, I, I missed that metaphysical community that I had up in Monterey. And, um, I'm going to tell you, I, I went to quite a few meetups and quite a few things. And most of them rubbed me wrong. I was just like, Whoa, 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 whoa. It, it wasn't until, um, I've met you and I've met one other person, um, that I'm like, oh, okay, like this is grounded. This is, you know, I don't know. Um, so I think the ratio is the other way around personally. Yeah. And probably, and, and I guess that for me, I have a little bit different perspective because I, I work with, when I'm in development, I'm working with a lot of really incredible, um, other practitioners, but I forget how okay. far apart we are. We're actually all over the world you know so it's kind of like I I have the I guess I guess I have the opportunity to connect with so many great people but then fortunately they they don't live here (laughs) which is always so hard Uh, not to say there there aren't great people in the community here but at the same time I just think that there's a lot of ungrounded sort of diluted stuff going around in these communities and it's gotten even worse the, the bypassing and the sort of, uh, um, just checking out, if you will, from reality has, has gotten so much worse over the course of the last, you know, year and a half. And it's been really hard to find grounded people in a spiritual community who, you know, who I, who I resonate with. And that, that to me has really been kind of like disheartening, um, to see that sort of fallout. So I'm grateful for every person I have that's in my circle. <laughs> yeah. <absolutely. laughs> because, so I'm really excited, um, to, to try and kind of build that bridge for people, because I think that it really is at the end of the day, it's about building community for people to have safe space, to, to explore their intuition and not feel like they're being targeted or, um, exploited, if you will. I think that yeah. that's the other thing. Um, the exploitation piece. I think there's a lot of good reflection in that. Um, for me, after all of this happened to me, um, my way out was through. I, I, um, I think I kind of told, I, or I did tell you about it. Um, made a dip in or touch on that, not dip into it, touch on it. <laughs> you know, the way that I kind of, my road back to, um, back to peace, I guess, was um, through the same way that I got there in a way. Um, you know, for me, uh, I was really in this wrecked place where I was being harassed on my, you know, on my phone. I was living somewhere where I did not know a soul. I had roommates when I first moved there, uh, but only because I moved into the dorms and I didn't really know them, you know, and it's not like I could tell these people that I was scammed by a psychic. And I, and at that point, I wasn't even sure I was scammed, honestly. Um, I had a, a boyfriend at the time that, um, knew I was being scammed. So I was like, kind of paranoid about him. Like, I was like, no, maybe he just doesn't know, you know, like it, my mind was all delusional. I was working the night before Thanksgiving. I was driving home. It was raining. And, um, but I, I have this 
really strong intuitive feeling to get off the highway and to go to, to go to borders. And I, it was so strong. It was like a magnet, you know, pulling me and I'm like, okay, this is weird. I'm just going to follow it because at this point, my intuition is telling me something and I've been invalidating it and I need to do this. And I walked into borders and I didn't know what I was looking for. I just walked in, you know, I think it might sound crazy to some people, but to other people, they'll totally understand. I felt a magnetic to this particular shelf and on it was a course in miracles sitting there. And actually it's kind of funny. I'm talking about this and it's in my peripheral and it was just, (laughs) um, yeah, I love it. It was just sitting there just like this. And it's, you know, as you can see, it's a very unassuming book. I'd never, ever heard of it. Um, I, it was just sitting there and I picked it up and there was just this strong, um, pull and I started just kind of flipping through it and, um, like I'm, I'm flipping through it now. And I don't know if I have a, um, I don't know if I have a marker in it, but, um, there is a chapter in the back and, um, the, the chapter is called something like, um, um, our psychic powers desirable. And I flipped almost to it. And um, what's interesting is I haven't read this in a while, but I just flipped to a chapter when I opened it and was looking for it. And it said, um, how do God's teachers deal with magic thoughts? And I read it and, and basically the message, I read it just right then and there in, in the store. And basically the message is that everybody is given intuition and um, everybody can access that intuition. Um, and the there are some people out there that can access it and use it for the gain of the ego. If anybody is familiar with A Course in Miracles, they use a lot of uh, Christian language, um, but the Christian language is because it's written through a scribe, through a medium, Helen Schumann. The language she explains later is it's not to identify with Christianity. It's to identify with themes that our psyche holds. You know, people do use intuition for the gain of the ego, but that, um, true intuition comes from God and it's given through the Holy spirit. And I know these are Christian terms and, um, it's given as a gift to be used only for the highest good, only to serve like the higher purpose. I just was called there to read these two pages, you know, and I bought it and I brought it home and I just ferociously tore into it. And, um, even though it's language, I, I wouldn't really use the, um, the underlying psychic message resonated with me. It did not take me time at all to incorporate the thoughts of it. And, and like I said, even just that chapter of our psychic power is desirable. How does, um, how, how does, um, how do you deal with magical thoughts? Right. That's another thing is like, um, this belief that you have not only you have, but somebody else has some kind of innate control over your soul's trajectory. How do you deal with that kind of stuff? It, it did two things. It gave me validation that I was indeed scammed, which I needed to hear it through my own voice. I didn't need somebody else telling me that because like we're talking about, there is a level of um, ego shame. And then two, it guided me back to my own God center. It reminded me that like, you know, there's this phrase in it and it says the altar of God lies in your heart. 
it's not outside. It's not in another person's heart. It's not in a house. It's not in a, it's not in a building. It's, it's in your own self. And I think that's something that I knew, but I, I needed to be gently guided back to it. Once I started kind of reading about that, I got, um, Sylvia Brown's book, the other side and back. And that really popped my eyes open. She has this one chapter in it and she talks about cults and curses. She lays out exactly what happened to me. She's like, let me guess, you know, she calls her Madame Zorro and that's her code word for candle burners. You know, she calls them Madame Zorro's or Madame Z's. She's like, Madame Z walks up to you or you go into her place, you know, for a $5 hand reading or, or what, what have you for a deceptively low price. Maybe it was even free. And, and she just laid it out. She's like, there's a dark haired woman that you used to interact with who is very jealous of you. And she's the same story. She's, gaining energy against you. And she, she put a curse on you or a dark cloud or, um, or she's going to, and it, and it's always timed, right? It's always, you know, within the next three days, it's, it's never, it's always timed. It's always specific and measurable. And, um, and Sylvia Brown lays it out, you know, this specific candle or this specific crystal or um, this specific spell will break it, but it's going to cost you money. And then in that chapter, she also goes over, you know, cults and how it's the same. It's the cult of personality. Have you heard of that phrase? Like I have we- actually, yeah, there's, cause there's different types of cults. There's the cult of personality is one. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. She lays it out and she lays it out in terms of no, nobody can ever take that from you. And She's like, it's not, it can never be intercepted. That belongs to you and you alone. Once I kind of made peace with that, but I, but I was still interested in the topics. When I lived in Monterey, um, they have something there called the Rota Psychic Fair. And I know there's something called the Lightworkers Association, which a lot of them are members of, but it's kind of like people set up tables and you can come in and it's $15 and, um, you know, you can get a reading for 10 minutes or, or I don't remember exactly. Um, and I think part of it was, I was prepared this time to not give over my power. And you know what? I went there a few times and, um, nobody even tried it. Everybody just acted in an ethical way. And, um, I ended up making a friend there and, um, she's an intuitive person and she started doing like, you know, women's groups kind of thing and kind of like you're doing. And, um, and I'm still in contact with her. I talked to her today. So many of the readers there who were ethical picked up on the fact that I was psychic scammed, which was crazy. Like without me even necessarily telling them some of them I did tell. And so many of them said the same thing you're saying right now. I have so many clients that come to me because this is unfortunately their introduction into our world and I'm doing damage control. And I, I'm not kidding. I had at least, you know, I've heard that from at least three or four practitioners be like, you know, yourself excluded. So let's say four or five who are just like, wow, I'm, you know, I can't believe that happened to you. And it's a very sad story, but it's not a very unique story, which I think is, um, which is telling, you know what I mean? It's a very sad story, but it happens a lot. Like 
I mean, I'm sure you hear it all the time. I have at least two friends who, um, who it's happened to also. And, um, it's, it's really tragic, but, um, you know, kind of, and so that one friend that I'm still friends with the intuitive, she also was scammed, (laughs) which I think is, it's not funny. It's, it's crazy. Um, you know, she started really, uh, having, um, her gift kind of open up after she, um, had childbirth and, um, it was something that she kind of stuffed down and, and the person, the candle burner, whoever picked up on it and was like, well, I'll show you how to use it. Right. And acted as an authority, uh, just to scam her. And so, um, you know, she understands and and she resonated with it. And that's what I mean by it can happen to anybody. Mm -hmm. It really can, you know? Yeah. It can happen in all, in all avenues and all facets. It doesn't just have to be in a reading. It can be whatever it is, you know, it's so rampant and it's, it's really disheartening. And I, I I actually just got out of a class today where I was working with my mentor and he was actually talking about when it comes to working in this capacity, recognizing that when people are coming to you, they're in a very vulnerable space. And there is a lot of responsibility and a lot of weight with the words that we choose when we start working with them, the things we become aware of and how we approach the things we become aware of. We have to be very sensitive and really sort of just testing the waters as far as like, okay, how do I deliver what I'm becoming aware of in a way that is trauma informed so that we're not doing more harm or damage or, you know, Um, And I think that having that awareness as a practitioner is so important. And like you said, looking for someone who prides themselves on, on not necessarily prides themselves, but at least kind of like, you know, has a background in that or like takes those things into consideration because yeah, you just don't want to inflict any more harm or trauma, but especially when someone's in a very coming from a very vulnerable place. Um, And that to me is really important as far as like, even going as far as to how, how someone would deliver that information to you by coming aware of it in you. And so it doesn't evoke a feeling of like this re-traumatization of like, or this feeling of like shame or, you know what I mean? Like, like knowing that it's a sensitive to broach it as a sensitive topic, um, is really important. And I think that that's just something that a lot of times people who are out there practicing, you have new practitioners who, like you said, it's always a red flag when someone claims to be a master at something and they, they haven't been doing it that long. <laughs> you know? Yeah. In anything, in, in anything. anything, in anything. So I think that, um, you know, really taking those things into consideration, looking at a person's track record, reading their reviews, um, word of mouth is probably the best way to find people to work with. But even then I still think if there's no resonance, make sure that there's no, uh, there's no, not going to be a loss if there isn't a resonance, you know, I think that that's the other thing too. I I think that kind of goes into like what I was saying by take what you like and leave the rest behind. I don't know. It's a sensitive, it's sensitive work, you know, it is, it's really sensitive. And I think that people forget that and they want it to be all light and love and fun. And the truth is that this is like, it's, it's, it's oftentimes the opposite. Um, and I think that people get into it with this idea that spirituality is rainbows and butterflies and unicorns. And it's, 
there are so many different levels. And in order to be a good practitioner, I think you have to be willing to embrace the darkness within yourself and learn how to approach the darkness within others or bring forward those things to the light um, to help them move forward, um, to help them see their greatest potential. And that's why I tell people like, as far as, you know, with the work we do, you know, I'm not a fortune teller, (laughs) you know, if you're looking Mm -hmm. for, you're looking for, if you're looking for future predictions, I'm not your girl. I can maybe tell you what the potential is potentially, but you have to make the decision. There, there are things that, that, you know, I tell my clients, you have to make these decisions and you have to do things in order to get to the place you want to be. It's not, but I'm not telling you to do these things. I'm just, I'm here to just say, this is the potential that, that lies within you right now. And that's it. And just lay it out on the line. And it's not, it's not definitive and it's not set in stone. It's not concrete. We're just simply here sometimes to lay out the, give a greater perspective to a situation. Cause sometimes when we're in it, we can't see it for ourselves. And yeah, I, you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I, um, and tell me if this is correct. Okay. Because I'm not, um, I'm not a, um, you know, I'm not in this field as a practitioner, but, um, there was one woman that I met a long time ago that I really liked. And, um, she said, I wish there was more clarification on the part of the consumer. That's the word I'm using that she didn't use that. But she said, when I read for somebody, I want them to understand I'm a bird in the sky taking a snapshot. These are already things that are in motion. She was like, I'm not, I'm, I can kind of guide you to predictable outcomes, right. Or what have you. But she was like, if you sit in my chair and you want to know lottery numbers, or if you, you want to talk to this specific relative or why can't I change X, Y, Z, I'm giving you, I'm giving you the vantage point. I'm the hawk over the valley. Like, this is what I see. This is where I see it going but you have the free will, like it's your, it's your life, you know? And, um, and I don't know if that resonates with you as a practitioner, but, but she said in her opinion, she wishes that before you got a reading, you got a, this is what readings are, you know, (laughs) like, (laughs) uh, um, and I always kind of remembered that, like, and that's also what I mean by, um, you know, take what you like, leave the behind. This is maybe she's looking at the valley of your life, but maybe this is her perspective here, but your perspective somewhere else, you know, like what, what resonates with you. But, um, but I think that's a big part in not giving, giving away your power either is managing your expectations. Um, and, um, you know, and that's another thing we can say in, um, in anything. If you want to date a new person, manage your expectations. If you go into a new job, recognize there's a honeymoon period, like manage your expectations. You know, I guess that sounds very like, you know, Enneagram six of me, like, it's like, it's very like pessimistic in a way, but, but for me, it's really gotten me through. And, um, it really, it allowed me to reintroduce myself into a world that I was violated in, but I still was interested in. It allowed me to tread through that with ease, knowing, you know what, at any time, I don't have to participate. You know, I don't have to participate in this. That doesn't resonate with me. 
Yep. Absolutely. You can pull, you can pull back at any given moment. And, um, and I think that that's really says a lot. And that's what I always tell people is that this, it's almost like, I feel like I wonder if her and I have a very, I wonder if we have the same mentor because he literally said the exact same thing today. <laughs> really? What? Okay. Yeah. So what did- he said, that's what he said. He said, we're simply becoming aware of a snapshot of someone's life where they're at right now. And we're only able to become aware of what, what they've experienced up to this point. And based mm-hmm. upon that, we can get a firm picture of who they are. And the more we understand them, the better fit we can see clarity. We can, we can see that snapshot more clearly, but we only <laughs> see what's the potential it's not a guarantee. It's just the potential. And yeah. it's, and just because there's potential doesn't mean that that person has to walk through that door. They, and that's why you never tell someone, yes, definitively go do this. Or, you know, mm-hmm. you, you really want, don't want to talk in absolutes. It's very much like, well, I see that there is potential for this to unfold. And that's, and you leave it there. And that's, that's the most important thing. So I just, I love that so much because, and that's why I feel so, I feel like that's maybe why I focus so much on education on my content, because I want people who do come to me to feel that there's a resonance, to understand that when you sit with me, it's really about gaining insight and clarity. And that's really what it's about or connecting yeah. with a loved one and, and, and tying up some loose ends or whatever they, the spirit, your spirit people need to do. Um, I'm just the sort of the channel for that and to, to be a healing bomb in a time when maybe things are rough. That's what I want to provide. And I think that that to, to make that clear upfront is so important. So I actually do send out, I don't, cause you, I, well, I, I wanted to do this for my demonstrations, but I was doing it with another medium. Um, so I didn't, but I actually sent out before every reading, every group reading, I send out a 10 minute long video explaining what to expect in a reading. So I set the expectations already. And I do this even before they book, because I say, you know, look, if this does it, if what I say in this video does not resonate with you, then I'm not the medium for you. Do not book with me. Um, essentially. And, um, or even after they book, they, they get the audio, they listen to it. And then I tell them in the audio, if this doesn't, you know, I think I, I put it in the email, actually, I say, you know, if after listening to this audio, you don't, resonate, you know, you can always cancel your session because I want to set that expectation. And I feel that educating people on what to expect when you go to a practitioner is so important because I can't tell you how many people who don't listen to the audio and then come in, they're always so nervous and scared. (laughs) There's always a level of anxiety that they have that they're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know. I'm, I'm so nervous for what's going to happen. And, and it's just like, and then I go through the whole spiel again and kind of have to ease the anxiety a little bit. But I think that, mm-hmm. I don't know, this is why I think I'm hell bent on educating people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. I think, um, especially now it's, it's more accessible, you know, um, when I got scammed, uh, this, this definitely wasn't a thing. And it's like, people need to know, you know, I don't know. People need to know one way or another. And it's like, it happens all the time. It does. And it's still happening. And it's it, like I said, maybe not so much in person anymore because we have social media, but I feel like that makes it even easier for people because they can hide behind a screen. They can hide mm-hmm. behind an avatar. They're literally role-playing and they're impersonating, which is really frustrating for 
the practitioners who are out there because it hurts our it hurts our business too um you know because when people are impersonating us and then taking advantage a lot of times people don't realize that it's an impersonator account and then our name in their eyes gets tarnished because they don't know any better you know maybe they weren't following us to begin with yeah I think that it um it leads to a um uh I don't know how to word it but like a um discredibility to the profession you know like it's yeah I agree I agree yeah the stigma the stigma was already hard to break it was hard enough to break and come out of the the spiritual closet and then you have to deal with people yeah. trying to pretend to be you to, to scam people out of their hard-earned money it's really frustrating so but yeah I mean it's just been it's been a very um wild ride it sounds like especially for you to get back to this place of feeling centered and whole and actually like you said coming back into a community that you feel or not so a community but a space that violated you in one way um but coming back so much stronger in the end mm-hmm. um feels feels really beautiful but like bittersweet at the same time it's like a lemon drop you suck on the sour to get to the sweet right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I like I said, this, it's a s- sad story, but it's not a unique story. It's just, you know, it's just different characters on a different stage, but it's, I think it's important to talk about. And I think like you get to talk to a lot of people about this kind of stuff. So if I can give one perspective, that's a unique perspective. I want to, um, I want to do that, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm really grateful for you, like being willing to, to take the time and to share so openly and so transparently your experience. Um, because I think that by you sharing, like I said, it it opens the door for dialogue. It opens the door, um, to awareness about these problems that are so deep within the community, but also just in life in general, like you said, in so many different avenues. And Mm so I'm really grateful to have had the opportunity to sit down. And I I like, I wish that the circumstances that we we didn't have to talk about these circumstances, but I feel like I'm so grateful that you're willing to share that with me in such a a open forum because it's, it's hard to talk about. And I think that allowing people space to process through a lot of this, um, the ways that they feel violated really does help with healing. And that's what... And even sometimes just hearing a story, like you said, that's similar to yours or, you know, that's, if there's someone out there who hears this, who's been through it and they know like, oh man, you know what? I'm not alone. Like that, if that can lessen the, the weight that maybe they're carrying around something like this, I think that that is such an incredible like gift and something that's kind of alchemized, being alchemized through the whole thing, you know, even though it's, you know, it's been, how many years has it been since this happened? You know, it's, it's been a long time coming. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. So it's beautiful to be able to kind of like bring that. It takes a while for it to come to fruition, for it to come to a place where it can be utilized and alchemized. So I'm super grateful for the opportunity to talk with you like this. Um, and I'm just super excited to, uh, to, to sort of see, you know, where this, where your journey continues to unfold you to where, where it sort of catapults you to going forward. Because if anything, like you said, it's strengthened your intuitive connection to a point where, you know, you don't, you're not questioning anymore. 
you're not questioning, you're not seeking that outside validation. And I think that that's what every practitioner wants. We want to get our, we want to help people get to a place where they don't need us. They don't need the outside validation. <laughs> they don't need mm-hmm. to come to us for validation and, um, or they don't feel like they need that. That's when I feel like we know we've, we've really done our job well. Um, but I think that that, that takes a lot of time and a lot of um, just dedication on someone's part. And we may get there in this lifetime. We may not. And that, that's okay. But I think that um, to see sort of your path to get to that place, as difficult as it was at the peaks and the valleys, um, it's actually quite inspiring. So <laughs> thank you. Thanks. Well, I'm, you know what? I'm, in, I'm inspired by you too, just um, having this dialogue at all. And, <laughs> you know, I think like having the, I don't know your whole backstory, but having the shits, but just, you know, with you in healthcare before walking away from a situation that is taking advantage of you and really like living to your highest potential, you know, you, you're probably doing a lot. I don't know if a lot more good, but you're touching people differently, you know? And I, I think, um, somebody, you know, if I would have had this 15 years ago, somebody like you would have really helped usher me through that darkness. So I, I think it's good work. And, you know, even if it affects one person, that's something, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm really grateful to, to hear you say that because it, it does, you know, it, as disheartening as it is each and every day, if I have to do cleanup with every single client and try to help, I, I want to, I want to make it right. I'm like, I like, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll make it right. Come to me. I'll make it right. I'm like, let me, let yeah. me. I, you know, it's that, I think it's that nurse in me that like wants to fix everybody. I'm like, okay, Samantha, like boundaries, like you got to chill on that. But, um, you know, it's, it's just, you just get so upset. And the same thing used to happen when I was working in the high, the hospital, or I would hear stories about mom's traumatic birth experiences in the labor unit. And I would just, that would drive me to do so much better, you know, as a nurse. Mm -hmm. And I think it just applies to anything in this life. You want to always, like you said, act from the highest good for the highest potential of those lives you touch and, um, those you work with in whatever capacity it is. So thank you so much for connecting with me in this way today, as I've said before, and speaking so openly and candidly with me. And I look forward to our next conversation because this is a dialogue that is going to be ongoing. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you also, Samantha. And, um, we'll keep in touch and I, I look forward to, um, you know, seeing where this goes.